Um, before we go into um, uh, the lesson today, uh, first and foremost, brothers, you guys are awesome. Sisters, you are absolutely weak sauce when it comes to prayers and needs and thankfulness. Yeah, I heard nothing over here. It was silence. Be thankful that you got your hair done on time and made it to service on time. You got something to be thankful for. You know, brothers, you're, be proud. It's awesome to hear that there's needs and praise reports. But the truth of the matter is every one of you here has something to be thankful for. So, sisters, horrible, horrible job. God bless you. Anyways, um, Max asked me to speak uh, Sunday night. He asked me to speak at youth, and I was praying and thinking about how and what I can articulate and speak about today as far as uh, relevancy. Who is going to uh, the prayer camp? Show of hands. If you are not... Um, you're not that busy, you know. I, it, it always amazes me when a young single person comes up to me and says, you know, I'm so busy in life. You know, I, I just look at them and I'm like, I got five kids, I serve, I, I got work. And I'm like, how are you busy, you know? I want to encourage those who are on the fence about this camp this weekend. Um, I'll tell you one thing. It's interesting. I've met, you know, you talk to people, you grow. I've never heard anyone in my life say, man, what a waste of time that was going to a prayer camp. What a waste of time that I was going to a prayer meeting. I've never heard anyone say that. I've heard many, many, many times people say, I wish I went. I wish I went. I, I wish I wasn't busy. I wish I didn't miss it. So I just want to encourage you uh, as far as uh, camp this weekend, please, please, please go if you can. If you're on the fence, um, it'd be awesome. I'm going to be there Saturday, God willing. I think we'll have a lot of people coming in and out. It's a beautiful camp. If you've never been there, I've served there before. It's a wonderful camp. It's a whole different world. So I want to just encourage you, if you have not signed up to this camp, please do so. Um, what I want to talk about today, um, there's persuasive. If you ever do public speaking or if you ever go to college and do courses, there's persuasive and then there's informative speeches. Uh, today, I want to do more of a lecture, more of an informative speech with the time I have. I'm going to have to kind of just narrow it down. Uh, I want to talk about and clarify um, about what it means to be a Pentecostal, what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to read real quick. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be by witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and, the end of the, and to the end of the earth. Let me see if that works. How oh, it works. I just want to read a verse and kind of give you guys, not a verse, a story, actually, in the Bible. This is going to be this is going to be in Acts chapter 8, and I'm going to read verses 9 through 25. If you guys can bear with me, it's going to be King James. So just bear with me. I think they'll put it up. I know we're in the PowerPoint. It's not up there, but it's going to be chapter 8, verse... Uh, of Acts verses 9 through 25. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out all that himself was some great one, to whom all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is a great power of God. And to him they, were, they had regard because he had, for of a long time, he had bewitched them with sorcery. 
But when they believed Philip's preaching, the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles were, uh, which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, whom when they came down prayed for them and they, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying of, uh, of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that on whomever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gifts of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, in thy sight wicked, uh, in, uh, in, in of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the goal of bitterness and in the, lo- in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. Uh, want to make this kind of short this story up. The best thing I can tell you is there are multiple incidents, whether the Bap- uh, uh, disciples of uh, Baptist, the John, John the Baptist or this story, there are multiple incidents where people believe and are saved and are baptized in water but are not baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can be born again and not be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That is scriptural. And I kind of want to prepare and kind of inform and talk about this uh, personally in my life and um, what it means to be Pentecostal, what it means to be, um, okay, it's back, thank you, what it means to be Pentecostal because most of my life at your age, I went to a Pentecostal church, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, I came to Christ in a Pentecostal church, but that's all I knew. I didn't know anything about what it meant. I didn't know what we stood for theologically. I kind of heard stories. I had my experience as far as being baptized, praying in tongues. But what it meant through scripture, I really never had that until there was a season in my life. There were two brothers that went to my Bible study in Florida. They came to Christ. And um, long story short is they left the Pentecostal faith and they became Baptists. And not only did they become Baptists, but they became fundamental Baptists, meaning the Baptists for them are heathens you know and their whole mission they set this for like a three-year mission to convert me not to be pentecostal and it's it's interesting because they go to a church in south carolina where um they take one month a year and the pastor teaches classes about how to rebuke or refute scripturally uh the baptism of the holy spirit as far as it is concerned our day so these guys are well equipped with scripture and they're very well versed as far as just sitting there and talking to them and explaining to them what it even means. So what happened in my life, uh, instead of saying, you know what, God baptized me in the Holy Spirit, I prayed in tongues, I went to a camp, I went to a, a prayer camp and, and God baptized me there. It wouldn't work with them because they would whip out scripture, they would do so many things where I had to actually sit down and study scripture and I had to actually figure out why I am Pentecostal or why I go to a Pentecostal church. So my goal 
on my motive today is just to kind of clarify, encourage, uh, uh, talk about some of the historical things and show you through scripture why I am who I am, why I believe people pray in tongues, why I believe there are so many different gifts. I'm not going to go into detail of how many gifts. I don't think we have time. But I just want to explain that to encourage those who are going to this camp. Because how I wish that all prayed in tongues, how I wish people were baptized and they prophesied, how I wish there was more giftings. And I promise you, there will be in this generation. It was prophesied from Joel to Peter to you that this generation, many, many, many gifts will be manifested through the Holy Spirit through you. All right, and I'm not going to go into, I'm not a big charismatic guy, as you can tell, I go to Slava Christian Center, but I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about personal, real theological things. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Just kind of doing some research. Uh, this is the registered church. I'm not talking China. I'm not talking Middle East, India. There's about 100 million Baptists that are registered worldwide and 290 million Pentecostal. Why I say that, when you go to China, if you ask them what denomination are, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. In China, you're either a saint or you ain't. You're either going to get persecuted and get in trouble because you're a Christian, or you're not. There's no, none of that going on, at least for now, because of persecution. Like, I remember I worked at a Russian store in Auburn, and we had a grandpa there, and he's, as Baptist as can be, wonderful, wonderful man of God. And he would always make fun of us. He's like, you guys pray like my little baby's yelling. You know, there's nothing. It makes sense, no sense. You know, and I'm talking to him, and I'm having this dialogue. And it's so interesting. This is what he told me. He said, you know what, Ilya, it's so interesting because when I was a young kid, our bishop over our region was Pentecostal. And in Soviet Union, when there was persecution before 1978, there was no division between Baptists and Pentecostals. Because they didn't have time for that. They were literally like trying to survive and trying to not go to the gulags or lose their however, whatever. There was real persecution. And it's interesting, before 1978 in the Soviet Union, historically there was only seven bishops, Episcopal we call them, all right? Seven bishops and the whole Soviet Union. Today, in that same area, as far as Moldova, Ukraine, Russia, Belarus, Latvia, and all these, there's over 120. Because in those days, when you sign your name and said, I'm a bishop, you're pretty much signing yourself away to go into prison for 20 years. You know, you really have to be like, Lord, are you sure? You know, there is no desire to work up the spiritual corporate ladder. You know, if you were called for that, you're like, probably not happy with the Lord. All right, but it was interesting. There was no division in that. And obviously today we're kind of living in a, how can I say this, a wonderful, peaceful, prosperous time. Guys, we are living in a time where if Solomon was here, he would be a loss of words of how wealthy and how awesome we live in America. This is the most prosperous time in the history of the world. It has never been better than this, what you're living right now. But I am, I love that we read Thessalonians. I am a firm believer. I've been in this season of eschatology, like just studying it. I am a firm believer that this generation is going to experience the rapture and is going to experience what's to come before the rapture. Whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, whatever, you're going to experience that. All right, when the dead will rise and then everyone else is raptured, if you, don't, if you listen to me, you're going to hear me in the sky. I told you so. You're going to hear me when we get raptured because that's how confident I am about this generation. Why I say that is being baptized in the Holy Spirit, one of the benefits, and I'm going to go into detail, is it gets you through situations that you don't know how to get through. 
There's been so many seasons in my life as far as praying in tongues, as far as visions, as far as prophecies, as far as people praying for me, interceding and things that even know what they're interceding, that it got me through things in my life that I don't know how I would have got out of it. And I promise you, I promise you, you guys will all go through that. And by God's grace, I'm not downing your dogging of the Baptists. They're going to get through it. But I promise you this. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit and having the gifts, it is so much better and easier to get through things. It just is. Gifts are for us. It's for our benefit. It's for the furthering of the church, the edifying of the church. It's for here, for right now, for your life. All of you guys are going through seasons right now of what I call uncertainty. Some of you know who you're going to marry, but most of you are like, who in the world is that person? There is uncertainty. What are you going to do in 10 years? I went to college. This was my whole degree. I was going to do all this. I, have, I do nothing with my degree. It is a floating, flapping piece of paper now. That's it. It has nothing to do with anything that I do now for a living. So you have no clue what you're going to do in 10 years. You have no clue where you're going to be in 10 years. If there's a time to desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the clarity and the leading of God, this is it. This is the best time to desire that. And I'm going to go into what I call, uh, it's not a falling away of the Pentecostal faith, but what I've witnessed working with young people for 14 years, what I've witnessed, especially with brothers. I work more with brothers than I do sisters. God bless you. God have mercy on you. But I don't, it's not like I can go out to lunch with any of you. I, I, these guys, I can go and talk to them and, and, and we can relate and open up. But I've witnessed brothers who, who grew up in the Pentecostal faith. If God didn't baptize them in tons or in the gift of the Spirit when they were young, the older they get, logically, they convince themselves that it doesn't make sense and it's not real. That's how it works. It's like a broken record. I know plenty of good, godly men married, and they just they got to a point in their life where like, you know, it's, just, it's not for me. I don't see how it makes sense through Scripture. Because I didn't get it, it doesn't make sense. So I kind of want to kind of clarify, I think I have, I don't know, I'm not going to keep you guys here all night, but I want to clarify, kind of explain some of the stuff in scripture uh, about this, because my whole desire is for you guys to go to this camp, if you're not signed up, please sign up, to desire and longing for the baptism of the Holy Spirit if God didn't baptize you yet. I want you to go there knowing what you're asking for, not just asking because they told you to ask for it and you hear people praying for it, but the clarity of why we do what we do in a Pentecostal church, mainly Slavic Christian Center. So the four points I'm going to go through really quick. The difference between being born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit when it comes to God's work, it does not always make sense. The role or priority of the Holy Spirit and the desire or asking of the Holy Spirit. All right, difference between being born again and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We just read about that. Listen, when you are born again, when you are born again, God gives you a new heart. He gives you a new spirit, and God literally dwells in you at all times. At all times. And what my Baptist friends, they would always argue and say, you know what, that was the day of Pentecost. That was what we understand what being born again is. But it's so interesting. When you read the Pentecost, the upper room, Peter, John, all, uh, most of the apostles, if not all of them, were there. The 140, how many were there? 
120. I was close. 120 that were up in the room. It's so interesting. God baptized him. It was a great moving. And then, then this. And it's interesting. Literally, what I, it just caught me. I was reading it. Two chapters later, Peter walks out. And it's interesting. You're born again. God's spirit is dwelling in you. We all understand that. We understand it's scriptural. You got God's heart. The Holy Spirit dwells in you and moves. It, it leads. It opens up scripture. It convicts you when you need to be convicted. It comforts you when you need to be comforted. He literally steps out and it says, and then the spirit came upon him and filled him. And I'm reading this and I'm like, why does it fill him if it, he's, it's inside him already? And there's multiple, multiple, multiple things in Acts that talks about that. Now, why would God's spirit have to fill him and, and then baptize him? And that again, if God's spirit is inside of him already. And I was asking this to these two brothers, and they didn't have an answer. And the best way I can explain to you what this means on a personal, practical level, there has been times in my life, and let me tell you something. Whatever people teach you as far as giftings, there's, some people believe there's 27 gifts. Some people believe there's more and less. The number one gift or the number one manifestation of the Holy Spirit is boldness. Boldness. Smellis. Smellis. Boldness. You can read that chapter 2, 3, 4, and 5. It talks about that. And boldness. They, got, they received boldness. Meaning they were not ashamed. They would say stuff that they, they were afraid to say. In my life, there has been times where I would talk to people. And I'm saying everything right. Scriptural. I'm saying it like it is like here. Very dogmatic. Very good. Very clear. And there is nothing. It is as dry as East Washington in the summer. And then there's times where you, I don't know how to explain it. If you've experienced this, you understand this. You're talking to someone and you understand, you understand it's not you. Like you're not sophisticated like that. Especially me, I'm not smart enough like that. And you're saying stuff and it's just flowing. And it's so natural and it's so easy and it's so good. You see the other person, there's a reaction. They're listening. There's tears. It's real. Something's happening on the spiritual realm. That is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think God baptizes you and goes away. I couldn't imagine talking like that all the time. You know, talking to my wife, my children, just tears, the Spirit just flowing, outpouring, you know, just the manifestation. You're talking to your kids, they're all repenting, two-year-old, born again. Like, it wouldn't make sense. But there are times where God baptizes you and uses you that is beyond you. Beyond your capability, beyond your talent, honestly, beyond your desire. This boldness that we get sometimes when we speak to our friends, we speak to our classmates, our co-workers. Listen, it's not of you. I'm a chicken. All right? I don't like talking about Christ to people. I like to go to work, make my money, and go home and preach to my children, you know? Like I always hear people say, oh, I preach to my children. Me too. You know, I love it. Easy. They don't listen to you. Send them to your room, you know? Like it's not hard. But to go to your co-workers and share the gospel, that's not easy. It's not easy. And to be effective is not easy. You know, I remember uh, I had this season in my life and I said, God, I don't want to be this guy who like just screams out, Jesus loves you and just, just goes. Like I had a really bad incident in my life. God, forgive me. He already forgave me. Thank you, Jesus. I had a white car. I had a white Subaru when we moved here and I had this Jesus sticker on my bumper. All right. It was a horrible sticker. I should have, don't put Jesus stickers on your cars. Even if you're a pastor, preacher, I don't care. Like I, I'll never forget, I pulled up in Auburn to to a FedEx and I'm getting ready to ship out some packages and these grandma and grandpa like I, I uh, there's two grandmas like I pulled up 
and they thought I was going to hit them or something like that. I don't know what they thought. They started cussing at me, and they started kicking my car. How dare you almost hit us? I was so mad. I got out of the car. I said, why did you kick my car? Yeah, da, 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 blah, blah, blah. Cuss words, four-letter cuss words at me, this and this. And they get in their van. I came up to their van, and I kicked their van, and their bumper just fell right off. Literally, it's boosh. I'm like, what in the world is a Honda Odyssey? And they come out and they say, Jesus sticker, huh? I just get in my car and I drive away. And I was like, there, you know, like we do things and it's by us. And there are times when God fills you and it's not you. And why I say that is I want to encourage every believer to have that. It is amazing, like, I don't know how to explain it. When that God does that, when he gives you that boldness to say something, not like what I did. That was no boldness. That was all anger. 100% flesh. 100%. I, I remember getting and said, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I do want to do, I don't. Woe am I. You know, Paul writes in Matthew 7. But it's interesting. There are times where God would fill me and he would use me and I would say stuff. How much that builds my faith. Like how much that builds my foundation, how much that encourages me to see God, seek his word. Listen, you can sit there and talk about how you want to see God until your face turns red. Until that desire comes into your life, you're not going to do it. Just not. You know? So there is incidents when God fills you and baptizes you and uses you that is beyond you. Do we get that? Am I kind of getting clarity in that a little bit? And how I desire that for every young person, every young person. How I desire that, because that, your, your, that will build your foundation and growth in Christ more than any sermon you ever hear in your life. When he personally does things in your life that is beyond you. You know, like I've, I'm talking to this person in my head, I'm like, there's no way this is Ilya. There's no way this is me speaking. Amen? Another one is when we have the desire to, how can I share that? Share the gospel. Really share the gospel. Like being effective. The most I've ever seen the Holy Spirit effective as far as giftings, uh, mission fields. When God is using you to, to share the gospel with people who are not saved. You know, I've seen, I've seen like so many incidents. I remember... We had incidents. When I used to go to this church, it's interesting, me and Zoe were laughing. We got here, we had the photo shoot for the book, album, and we made the cut again. We're so pumped that we didn't miss the, the album thing. I'm like, yes, we're making it. And it's interesting how many mission trips we took to Ukraine and how many young people God used there. Visions, praying in tongues, singing in tongues, like just boldness and sharing the gospel. Things that they don't do here. But there they do because the goal was to share the gospel. And I've had that. I've had incidents. I had an incident not too long ago. They called me preacher at, at work and had an incident. I work on big ships. Listen, these ships are huge. I remember we loaded a yacht at the Port of Seattle. It was a 178-foot yacht. We loaded it sideways on the ship. So the ship is like this, and we picked it up on the crane, and we loaded it sideways below deck, and then we put a lid on it. That's how big these ships are. So we're sitting there. I remember we were lashing with a guy, and... Listen, you fall off the ship, there's nothing left of you. They're scraping you off with a spatula. All right? Literally, there's nothing left of you. And we're lashing. This guy has this big metal bar, and it falls off. And we look in the water, and it's just falling. It's just, it's just, you have time to think before it hits the water. It takes that long to fall. And then I look at him. I said, what if that was you, man? You know, like, he looks at me. And, like, it's interesting, like, how easy it is to, to start up that conversation. 
if you find a good reason to talk about the gospel and salvation and everything. Most of the time, we don't do that because we don't have that what we call boldness or desire to. We're scared. You know, the second thing I want to talk about, the difference between being born again and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is interceding on behalf of others. I think it's going to be the next one. Oh, that's the history thing. I'll get back to that in a second. Interceding on behalf of others. There are times, and most of the Christians that I, especially, you know, I'm not saying this in a bad or good way. I've been born again for 13 years. There are many times in my life where I'm praying for somebody for something that I don't know why, especially in tongues. And you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, but you're doing it. And, and there's a reason or what I call praying for somebody or interceding for somebody that you don't know. We had an incident, me and my wife. Um, it wasn't that long ago. It was pretty fresh, safely. It was like four months ago, I would say, not even. Me and my wife are walking out. No, 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 his baby wasn't, wasn't born yet. Six months ago. <clears throat> We're walking out. Think about this. We're walking out. Me and her are walking to the car, and we see this young couple, and they're like crazy fighting, screaming. And she's saying, and she's out loud, and she's saying, I don't want to get in the car with you. I know you're going to hurt me. You know, I'm hearing this. I'm like, I have to pay attention. It's super dramatic. You know, we don't want soap operas. This is as good as it gets for me. And, like, we're watching this, and we're like, we get in our car, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to get involved. This isn't my issue. I get in the car. We pull out, and I'm driving by. This guy jumps on this girl's back, and he starts biting her in the neck. All right? I'm watching this. Think about this. I'm watching this. In my head, I'm not trying to be a superhero. I'm not trying to be a tough guy. I don't, brothers, don't do this, okay? I naturally put it in park. I jump out naturally like it's like an instinct and I start charging at this guy and I'm yelling you better have a gun if not you're in trouble because I was ready to beat this guy this little Indian guy guess what he has a gun he pulls it out and points it right at me you know oh man he literally said well guess what I go papa gun right in my face literally from me to max the whole time the whole time Zoya is sitting there praying in tongues interceding we laugh about it, but how sad would it be if you go to my funeral? My wife has five kids. I got shot in the head for trying to help somebody. You never, never know what you have to pray for. You don't know. You don't know what, but God knows. And how important it is for us to learn to intercede for others. It's just, man, it's the first time anyone pointed a gun at me like that. I, he called my bluff. Anyways, we laugh about it. I thank God. I thank God. But it was interesting. The whole time, Zoe is just praying in tons in the car. She doesn't know what to pray for. It's not a felony because I charged him first. He felt threatened. Literally. I was like, the cops are like, what do I do, you know? Anyways, that being said, on the side note, brothers, this is why we don't carry guns. I'm not anti-gun. I'm not saying you shouldn't own guns. If you had a gun in that scenario, what would you do? Pull it out and shoot at each other? Thank God I didn't have a gun, because that would be my first instinct, and then I'd get shot. I don't want to get shot. It probably hurts. You know? I don't know, if it, I don't know if it hurts or not. I hope I never find out, but I don't wish that upon anybody. You know, better that I backed away. But it's interesting. The whole time, Zoya was praying. She didn't, like, it's interesting. She was praying, and, and it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's like I get back in the car, and you know whatever she was praying for, it was effective for that scenario. How I desire this for you guys. 
And why I say this is there are times, and I'm going to get to it. Let's go before 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Let's do this, Ilya. There are times where we try to make sense of this. And this is where I get the big argument. And this is where they, they kind of stop. Because what happens is we've gone into this like um, super Jordan Peterson theological psychology. Like where if we can't explain it, it probably doesn't make sense. And I got to a point where these brothers would be like, Ilya, explain to me theologically what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What it means to pray in tongues. What it means to all these uh, giftings and manifestations. I just got to a point where I was so sick of trying to argue my point because they're trying to do, speak well in Greek. It's translated like this. And it means that it's over and there's cessationism. And it was for the church in the beginning and so on. There's such an argument. And I said, I got to a point, I said, listen, Paul makes it very clear. Either you believe it or not. Gifts are giving according to one's faith. All you have to do is believe. And let me explain that. Think about salvation. Explain to me salvation. God comes into this earth and pregnants a 14-year-old girl with himself. He gives birth and dies for us. That does not make sense at all if you want to make it logical. That's why Paul says to the world it is foolishness. You either believe or you don't. Period. You either believe in the giftings of the Holy Spirit or you don't. Listen, you don't have to. I know a lot. These two brothers, they're godly men. Born again. Like you see the fruit, real life. I'm not taking anything away from them. But they are missing out. They are missing out on so many benefits. So many good things in their lives. Because they choose not to believe or they, what I call, choose not to trust. And this Pentecostal thing, listen, brothers and sisters, this isn't this Azusa Pacific 1927. This has been going on for hundreds of years. Oswald Chambers, Andrew Murray. There are so many situations that the Pentecostal faith has been seen, not just from Book of Acts, it's been dead for 2,000 years, and now you hear it at Azusa Pacific 1927. Andrew Murray, it's interesting, think about this. For 36 years in South Africa, he was praying for a revival every Friday in a barn. Every Friday he was praying for revival. And then when revival came, think about this, a bunch of young people got together. God baptized them in tongues and they started praying and, every, and they're just prophesying and seeing gifts and visions. He, think about this, he literally for 36 years, this guy was praying for this. He walks in the barn, he looks around and says, this is craziness, this doesn't make sense, this is not the work of God. And he walks away. That's literally what he said. Until you start seeing like three weeks later that the whole town is literally repented. They shut down every bar. The police got nothing to do. They're literally unemployed because everyone's repenting. And he finally admits that it's God's revival. And I am a firm believer. Listen, I am a firm believer that that will happen in this generation. Because Joel prophesied this about the last generation. Well, the reason I believe that is because I believe you're the last generation. But Joel prophesied about the last generation. And Peter forwarded and said the same thing about the last generation. That the young people will see visions. They will prophesy. God's manifestation, God's spirit will fall upon the last generation. And let me tell you something. I've never met a Baptist who can explain that to me. And I think it's in Acts chapter 2. That this, this generation, God will use and fill and baptize. And you guys will do stuff that is beyond you, beyond your character. And I'm not talking about the craziness that you see in the charismatic movement. I'm talking about 
just pure motives of desire to preach the gospel, share the gospel, live a life, not be afraid to take a stance of who you are, not be afraid to lose your job because of what you are convicted of. And it'll be this generation. So the question is, the question I'm going to ask, the roles of the Holy Spirit, we don't have time for that. The question I want to ask today is, is there a desire for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life? And the best way I can explain to you what desire means or what I call faith is do you trust God with this? Do you truly trust him with this? Do you say, Lord, I know this is real. I trust you. What do you want from me? I want to give it to me. I know at this prayer camp they're going to be praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And how I desire for every person to walk in there to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to pray in tongues, to have gifts. Desire gifts of prophecy. Desire gifts of vision, of healing. How we need more of that. And I guess the last illustration, I'll explain what it means to desire or have faith. I guess if you sum it up, desire and faith, the best way is trust. All right, I, um, Zoya knows the story, obviously. When I came to Christ, I liked a girl, a specific girl, for two years. Think about this. I prayed for her every day for two years. Every day, by name, by everything, by faith. I was born again. She's a Christian. I was set. There was no change in my ways. I was going to marry this girl. That was it. We started talking, and I don't know how to explain it. God changed everything in me, and he said, you know what? Change the way you pray for who you're praying for. And then I started praying and said, God... Bless my wife, whoever she is, wherever she is. And I stopped praying for this girl specifically. We stopped talking two weeks later. And this, listen, I've been chasing her for years. We stopped talking and then I met this weird girl named Zoya. All right, she was a weirdo when we met. She's cool now. <laughs> she was like, I called her a gangster. I, I, she was a gangster, okay? I'm not going to show any photos. I'd get, this would be my last sermon. But anyways... She, like, I met her, literally, some, some weirdo, cool girl from, like, hippie from Portland, and I'm this jock, like, wear the same shorts for four days from Florida, you know? And we have zero in common. We have nothing in common. And the way God aligned us, like, I couldn't have done it better. Do you know why it worked that way? There is literally no one more perfect for me in my life than her. You know why? Because I trusted God in the process. I trusted him. I saw what I wanted. I thought that's what I wanted. I thought that was perfect for me. But I trusted God with that. When you go to this camp, are you going to trust God and what he's going to do in your life? Are you going to try to make sense of it? Try to make it clear. If it doesn't make sense, I don't want any part of it. How I desire for all of you guys to go to this camp. How I desire that God baptizes every one of you guys in the gifts of tons. How I desire that all of you pray in tons on behalf of others, interceding. How I desire that God gives you boldness in the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray. Again, this is not a persuasive. This is just an informative sermon. The persuasive sermons will be at the camp. All right, let's stand up. We're going to pray, and this is the prayer that I desire for this, especially those who are going. The prayer is going to speak, God, whatever I have to do to set my mind and my heart to this camp, let me do it. Prepare me for this camp. 
Prepare me for what's at store in this camp. Prepare me for the prayer meetings, for the sermons, for the fellowship. Prepare my mind, my spirit, who am I and what am I for this camp. Amen? That's going to be our prayer, number one. Number two, give me a faith and a trust in you, God, that is beyond my understanding. Give me a faith that is so beyond me, beyond my education, beyond Google, beyond my sermons, beyond the theological stuff, that my faith is in you beyond all. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you, my God, for your Holy Spirit.